Vanessa Saldiva with another episode of the Way to College podcast. Joining me today is a, and I, I have to say now, I have to preface every conversation with a special <laughs> guest, right? Because otherwise, if I don't say it, they're going to call me on it. So no, this, this person is, um, also incredibly special, very important to me, um, college friend, longtime friend, uh, Mr. Alex Almanzan. And so I'm going to allow Alex to introduce himself. He can tell us um about what he does, and then and then we'll get into the conversation a little bit. So, Alex, why don't you introduce yourself to our guests out there? All right. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Dr. J. I'm going to call you Dr. J because you're always going to be J to me. <laughs> this uh, Jose Saldivar guy is is someone that I don't know, but you know, I'm sure you're doing phenomenal things. Uh, but yeah, Dr. J. That's that's what I'm going to go with. Uh, my name is Alex Salmanzan. I uh, born and raised in El Paso, Texas. Uh, went to Stanford. For undergrad, that's where I got to know and meet uh, Dr. J and a lot of phenomenal people that uh, I love dearly. Uh, we were part of an organization called Los Hermanos de Stanford, and it was a great way to meet a lot of Chicanos and Latinos from all over the U.S., Mexico, and to have a real bond, a real family on campus. And that was part of a larger group. Uh, on Stanford University. Uh, after that, I decided I couldn't do college. I couldn't study anymore, so I took a couple years off. Uh, went back to law school at St. Mary's in San Antonio, Texas, where I met my wife. Um, she doesn't remember the first time we met, but I do. It took her a couple more times. Um, but eventually, uh, we both became attorneys. Uh, I convinced her to leave her uh, hometown of Lytle, Texas and go back with me to El Paso, uh, even though we, we got married in San Antonio at the San Fernando Cathedral. Uh, uh, because, I mean, there, there's some things that you're gonna win, some things you're not. I got to bring her back home to El Paso, so I was okay with that. Um, I've been working as a uh, assistant federal public defender for the last 12 years. Uh, and it is phenomenal work. It is extremely difficult, challenging work. If you're not, uh, if you're not in this job, uh, recognizing that it's a calling, that it is um, uh, more than community service. It's a way of life. You're not going to be happy. Uh, and um, but I love it. As many times as I complain about having to work. Uh, with the changes of the presidential administration, you know, first Bush and then Obama, and now, of course, uh, the Trump administration on its way out, Lord willing, and, you know, just waiting to see how the, the Biden administration goes through. So that's a little bit about me. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Alex. So, Alex, let me let me give you a little bit of background because um, I, I know you and you and I communicate um, over email and, and through Instagram and social media. But, um, you know, a lot of my work, I work with first gen students, first year students, and the podcast really came about um, in support of other work that I do. I do private consulting work with school districts and just, you know, mentoring with students and things like that. That's phenomenal. That's, I mean, that's a continuation of, uh, what was it, Upward Bound, right? So there was Upward Bound. I at Stanford, we had Project Motivation. Um, there was, you know, BA. There were a number of programs that I think a lot of us were involved with. And so, yeah, like, I mean, for me, it's always been something that's been near and dear to my heart. 
and in working with my students, I think one thing that I learned was um, we there are a lot of success narratives for Latinos and 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 I think for um, minorities, but my students didn't see them. You know, right. I think my students, you know, a lot of their parents and nothing, you know, my hat's off to a lot of the parents, wonderful parents, working class parents, working hard, right, to get their kids through school. But then my students got to a point where they didn't see anybody sort of on that next rung. They right. didn't you see anybody that, that were. Exposure. Yeah. Absolutely. And so my my hope with the podcast was I was like, you know what, I'm going to reach out to my network. You know, because I think I like you, um, I know a lot of phenomenal people that are doing amazing things that even as a kid from growing up in South Texas, I, I didn't I never saw myself connecting to people like you people, you know, the people that I've had on the show and 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 to see like that are doing amazing things. And I feel like one, that's a blessing for me. But then, two, I, I want to be able to share that with young people and with parents to see okay. that 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 I that their scope doesn't have to be the three or four jobs that they know of, but that there are a lot of different things that they could be doing. And this is how some people have done it to get there. Right. Kind of yeah. no, I understand exactly. You know, it's, 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 it's quite interesting because um, I'm very fortunate. I actually grew up in a middle-class family. Um, so when I went to Stanford, uh, I was actually the third of three brothers to go. So wow. my parents, they knew exactly what to do, um, and which was very different from a lot of the, the narratives that I heard my friends telling me when I got there, um, because they knew exactly what to do because they had done it twice before. Um, they, this, was, this was the third rodeo for them. So they were already like, okay, here, drop you off, see you later, love you, mijo. And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Like, <laughs> Like I'm supposed to have some kind of uh, reinforcement here, some emotional support. What happened to like the Catholic guilt of dropping off your kid and saying bye? I'm like, okay, I guess that doesn't work. But, um, but you know, it's very interesting because El Paso is so unique because we had, you, you know, University of Texas El Paso here because we had um, so many. Mexican Americans, Chicanos, Latinos, who make up the majority of the population. And so here, unlike the rest of the country, there was access to a, another level to get up the socioeconomic ladder, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, for my dad, he joined the uh, military, he joined the Air Force right out of high school. He actually got a, a full scholarship to go to college on a band scholarship, but Unfortunately, he was the eldest of a family of five. Uh -huh. um, my grandfather, I think we recognize now, had PTSD from World War II. Wow. And he could not really, you know, he couldn't keep a steady job, much less a career. And so that fell upon my dad uh -huh. to provide for his mom and his younger siblings. So he, he couldn't go to college. And he went to the Air Force. He uh, did not go to Vietnam because he ended up having a medical discharge. And so, you know, blessings in disguise. Yeah. Uh, he met my mom. He was able to stay in El Paso. My mother was the one that pushed him to use the GI Bill to get an education. He became an educator. 
He was an educator for 35 years. He was an administrative, I'm sorry, uh, an assistant principal. And he worked in the barrios where he grew up in El Paso. You know, and he pushed all the kids just like you're doing now to expose them to something better, to expose them so that they know their options are limitless. And um, my dad was a hard ass man. <laughs> he was a strict uh, disciplinarian growing up. And so for me, there was no option. I was going to college, yeah. you know, I wanted to, I think I wanted to like so many people in El Paso, I wanted to be in law enforcement uh-huh. and he's like, okay, that's fine. Great. You're going to college. I'm like, oh, okay. It's like, well, can I join the army? Yeah, you can go join the army. You go to college first, you know, and it's, you, you better get the good grades. I had straight A's. I worked hard. I had that discipline. Um, because I knew that I had to go to college. Yeah. And then also I had the, the, the brothers who were older than me had got into Stanford and were top of their class. Yeah. And so I had that example and it was just different for me, you know, yeah. as opposed to my wife, my wife comes from uh, a uh, lower socioeconomic status. She grew up, she was born in Miami and then she moved to San Antonio and then grew up in Lido uh, because her parents were migrant farm workers. And no one else in her family has gone to college yet. She was the first one and she pushed and then she pushed, she went to Trinity, she continued to pushing, she went to St. Mary's. And what she accomplished was far more phenomenal than anything I did, you know, because she had that self-drive and that self-motivation. But. Uh, yeah. So anyway, so, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of how I got to college. Cause it was just really, it was pushed on me. My old man was, uh, grew up really poor Yeah. and he was fortunate enough to make, have made all the sacrifices, mm-hmm. uh, and then really pushed me to go and do something different, do something above and beyond what we're exposed to. Right. Yeah. And so, when I come back home and, I, and, we, and my wife and I are working with a lot of kids and we're working with, uh, you know, elementary school kids, we always talk to the kids and we always ask them, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? And it's always the same thing. I want to be what my dad is. Well, what is your dad? Well, he works in construction. Uh, he works janitorial. He works, um, you know, something in a uh, lower socioeconomic class. Yeah. And, and, we always reinforce, you know, that's wonderful. Your parents, your role models are phenomenal uh, examples of work ethic and determination. And you just want to say, you want to take that and give them exposure into, well, what if you get a, a, a degree? Or if you don't want a degree, what if you go to community college and get some kind of trade skill? Yeah. Well, and once you start giving people opportunities, you know, it's going to be, we are, the Latinos and Chicanos and are taking over the world. Yeah, that we are. By pure numbers, right? <laughs> I mean, that's what the Trump effect is. They're, they're you know, the, you know, the, the, the power class is upset that we're coming up, mm-hmm. not just in numbers, but in education in socioeconomic status. I mean, that's what it is, yeah. you know? 
I mean, we at in undergrad, we got that all the time. Hey, you know, the Latinos are going to be the majority population in 20 years. What is that going to mean? What What's going to happen when the white population is no longer the majority? Yeah. You know, and I, we're living it now, right, man? Yeah, I, we certainly I, are. No, absolutely. We know. Yeah. So let me ask you, Alex, you know, your father, you, I want to go back a little bit to your father's story. You said your father, um, you know, in your words, right, pobrecito had to go and enlist to help his family out. Um, and obviously, you know, the one of the benefits, right, of his military enlistment was that he was able to take advantage of the GI Bill. There was never a point in his mind. I mean, did you ever have a conversation with him or did he ever say, I mean, obviously, he pressed and, and impressed college upon you and your brothers. Um, but military was never never the initial option for you guys? I mean, given his his, his kind of experience with it? You know, I, no, it wasn't. It, 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 because for him, he experienced such overt racism mm -hmm. while he was in the Air Force mm -hmm. that he did not want us to experience that as well. Yeah. You know, he uh, at one point, he was stationed... Um, I forgot where uh, in um, West Texas, and you know when they found out the Mexican was living down the street, someone put a burnt cross in in his yard. Wow! You know, and that was uh, in addition to the racism that he uh, that he experienced while in the service. You know, from other service members. Mm -hmm. You know, back then it was all it was completely all men. And so that was a hard part for him. And okay. he did not want us to do that. And so he really pushed us. Wow. And he, and he always said, you know, you can go to the army. That's fine. Uh, you can go to into the Air Force, any armed services. However, you're going to, if you're going to do that, you're going to be an officer. Yeah. Wow. And he had a good friend uh, who is my brother's godfather who was also an educator. He was a retired Lieutenant Colonel from the army. And he was in charge of the Congressman's committee to make recommendations for um, the, uh, the military academies. And so they worked together for many years. And uh, Mr. Garcia, he was, oh, he's from South Texas. I remember that now. Yeah, he, he was also from South Texas. Um, and then he got stationed at Fort Bliss, and then he brought his family, after retirement, brought his family to back to El Paso. Um, but, you know, it was always upward motivation, yeah. upward advancement. Yeah. Um, and which is really, I mean, it's a privilege. I've had a very privileged life, man. Yeah. yeah. And... And I mean, that, that's okay. Cause I mean, you, you let me look at the work that you're doing now. And, and just as you said, right. That you and your wife spend a lot of time talking to kids and encouraging kids and motivating kids, you know, um, uh, you know, I, one, one thing that I would love to know is what was it like having two brothers go to Stanford ahead of you? Because I, I know, for example, personally speaking, I remember, I remember a teacher asking us in high school, I, you know, I'm an only child. Both of my parents went to college, but then didn't finish. Neither one of them finished. Um, and so, you know, I didn't have that person that I was looking to. There were people in the community that I, I would look to that had gone to college and whatnot, but to have two people in your home, you know, that you grow up close to, 
that are going to not just to college, but, you know, one of the best universities in the world. What was that like for you? That man, that seems like a lot of pressure. (laughs) It was a lot of pressure. Absolutely. It was. I mean, I can't tell you how relieved I was when I got the acceptance letter to Stanford. It was like, oh, dear God, praise Jesus. (laughs) You know, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Even if I chose not to go to Stanford and, you know, at least I could say, look, I got into, I, you know, uh, I was, I'm just as smart as the other other two uh, penejos that I love so much. Um, I mean, and and I I call them that with nothing but love and admiration. My brothers are are some of my best friends uh, and they really, but they're the ones that really blazed the trail for me, you know, and I just, I'm riding their coattails. I still ride their coattails to this day, you know, um, but but you know it's 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 a competition always growing up yeah who's better who's you know in anything you know my brothers were the smartest and i did my best to 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 meet that could never exceed it those guys i don't know what happened i think there was something i think my dad dropped me or maybe my grandfather dropped me <laughs> as a baby and so there was just a little bit of a of a delayed kind of reaction in, in terms of <laughs> processing you know Uh, i think you're doing fine for yourself man (laughs) so all relative yeah yeah. and and the best part was you know speaking to them and then when it was finally my turn to make the the choice on where i wanted to go to college you know it was down to uh georgetown notre dame or stanford and stanford came in with the best package you know it was my parents did have to pay money. I had to pay money. I had to take student loans. I had to work. And but bottom line, Stanford came through. And also with what my father always instilled with me was make decisions that give you the best options. Right. And so that made it an easier decision. I go to Stanford. I didn't have to get into any specific college. I could change courses. I could change majors. If I wanted to study abroad in Germany or Japan or even Stanford and Washington, I can do that, right? And so that's what made my decision the easiest. And thank God I did because the other thing that my dad did is he told me I had to be an engineer. And as and being an obedient Catholic boy, I did what my father told me, you know, and I was going to be an engineer. And then I failed physics at Stanford. It was, it was the hardest class that I ever failed. (laughs) And I did, I failed a hell out of physics. And I was at the physics lab, uh, you know, like three, four times a week, working my tail off and trying to get it. And then I remembered, wait a minute, I didn't do so good in physics in high school. Why the hell would I try and do it here at Stanford? (laughs) So did you have to have a conversation with dad about, dad, I'm not gonna be an engineer? Yeah, I did. I had to come home and be like, dad, it's not gonna happen, I'm sorry. Uh And he was so upset. He was so disappointed in me, man. And, um, but you know, I, I, I turned out all right. He was he was happy, you know, and that kind of you know that kind of puts me on another topic about you know 
when you get to college and you make mistakes, yeah, it's okay to fail, man. It's okay to realize that this isn't what I'm good at. Mm-hmm. You know, you still try your best because, man, I worked my tail off. I did. I was disciplined and I still failed. But I realized, okay, I'm not going to be an engineer. This is yeah. just not for me. Yeah. Um, and I have to learn to to love what I love because it's my life to live. And I need to find my calling, you know. And lucky enough, through through groups that we did, mm-hmm. through the Haas Center, through <coughs> El Salvador Chicano, realizing community service and helping uplift others is where I found my calling, you know. And there's so many different ways to do that in this world. I could have been a social worker. I could have done, uh, you know, I, I, I had planned on going into politics. And that's what led me to my major, public policy, which, again, my dad's like, it's okay. It's okay. You know, that was the best part. Dad, I'm going to major in public policy. What? what is that? You, it's made up. That doesn't exist. And what are you going to do with that? We can't do anything with that. Um, and, uh, uh, but I found what I loved and then I kept looking at options. I kept working hard, you know, uh, I did realize that I was tired. I was exhausted after graduating from Stanford because I remember, you know, I failed physics. I dropped a couple classes. And then, so the last two years I was working, working, having to pick up credits, having to make sure that I, I, um, graduated on time. And so by the time 2001 came along, I was exhausted. There was no way I could go back to school. Yeah. So let me ask you, Alex, you know, cause I see a lot of kids, um, with a similar story uh, to your own where mom and dad want them, want them to be nurses, want them to be doctors. Um, and the kids, you know, <laughs> 18, 19 year old, 17 year old kids. I, you know, if you'd asked me, I, you know, it took me two years. I, I used all of the time that I could to declare major at Stanford. Um, a lot of our kids don't have that luxury a lot, you know, and especially in Texas, we have early college high schools that, that want, you know, kids are graduating with associate's degrees now from high school. What advice would you give to a kid that's feeling pressured, you know, from mom or dad, that mom and dad want them to do something, but it's not in their hearts, not in their interest. Maybe it's not even like you said, like they're having the same experience with physics or, or a class like that. Yeah. You know, I mean, at some point if you have to have introspection in who you are and realize that you are a young adult and your choices are going to help make your life happy. And happiness is all that we really have at the end of the day, you know? And so you're going to have to figure out how to put food on the table, how to um, afford a place to live, how to get health insurance. And so everywhere you go, you're going to be able to do that. Try and find something that you enjoy doing, really. Uh, listen to your, your, you know, listen to your own conscience. I mean, I didn't, I, it took, uh, it took, you know, that, that failure of, of physics and that feeling of, of, um, you know, depression to realize, oh man, you know, what am I going to do with my life? But then coming to the realization that, well, it's my life to live. I have to live with these choices. And so I'm going to do my best to find out what I want to be, but you got to listen to yourself. If I hadn't 
if I really had listened to myself early on, I would have known, no, there's no way I could be a physician or any type of, uh, in any type of medical field or any type of engineering, because I really was not good at physics. I mean, that just was not going to happen. I, uh, I hope everyone kind of comes to that realization sooner rather than later. But you know, that's just kind of life. It's going to happen when it happens. For you all that are out there that are listening, um, you know, for me, disappointing my father was a very difficult thing in my life, but it's okay. You're not going to be able to make other people happy. you have to learn how to make yourself happy and you will be able to do that. I mean, it will, it will happen when you listen to yourself and you allow yourself to learn from your experiences. You know, your intuition really is there. God gave you intuition so that you know what is right and what's wrong. Listen to yourself, you know, take a moment, um, practice mindfulness, Listen to yourself, listen to what your body is telling you, what your mind is telling you, and be open. It's okay to explore, you know? I, um, I couldn't agree more. Um, and I appreciate that because I think, I think students sometimes need to hear that. They need that sort of reinforcement. I think they need to be encouraged to, to, to practice that introspection. Because I, I think a lot of times they're not used to it. They've, they've, a lot of the kids that I work with are so used to having somebody tell them exactly what they need to do and how they need to do it. Yeah, and it's always the authority figure. It's always the mom and dad, right? Mm-hmm. And and funny thing is I try not to do it with my kids, but I, end, I do end up doing it. I'm like, yeah. what do you want to be when you grow up? You don't know? Okay, you're going to be a doctor. <laughs> That's what it is. That's what it is. I tell that to them all the time. And then at the end of the day, I'm like, okay, Miko, I'm just playing. You know, you can do whatever it is you want to do. Yeah. I'm just, I'm going to push you uh, not so gently. <laughs> I'm going to shove you over that, that, uh, that bridge. Um, and then you're going to have to learn how to fly, you know? Yeah. And, but you will. You will. So. So you now, God almighty, uh, uh, you know, my kids uh, working, me working from home, my kids going to school from home uh, is so difficult right now. Oh, my God, Jay. It, I, I, you know, our, we're, we're failing our kids, man, and not doing yeah. what we need to do to give them the resources right now during this pandemic. Yeah. Um, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. You're seeing it. You're seeing, I mean, households across America. Um, and, and I see it with my nieces. I've, I've got three nieces that I'm very close to that are like my daughters. And, and I see it with them. And I try and do everything I can to support them as best as I can. And, um, but, but yeah, you know, and, and yeah, I, I, I hear you. I feel for, for parents out there, man. It's, it's tough. And you know, I try not to yell at my kids, but sometimes at the end of the day, you're just like, okay, ya me estoy cansado. I can't, I'm, I'm tired. I know you're tired, but I'm tired. Yeah. Just, you know, here's, here's the phone. Go, go watch some movies. <laughs> you know, it's okay. It's like the last thing they need is more screen time. But I'm like, sabes que, let's, let's go for a walk. I'm going to come yeah. and watch some football. You can watch football with me or you can watch, you know, um, <laughs> Disney Plus. 
<laughs> Disney Plus is such a beautiful thing. <laughs> get, to, get to put my kid like here. Listen to Hamilton. This is great. This is you're doing. This is um, you're learning music and you're learning a little bit of history. This is perfect. Maybe I can get Disney Plus to to sponsor <laughs> do an ad to do sponsorship for me. <laughs> you can call. Maybe you can get away to find Lin Manuel Miranda, dude. Yeah. Oh, that would be awesome. That would really? be so awesome. Yeah, I would. I would. Uh, so I'm I'm excited about this because. You know, I, again, I'm I'm trying to tap my network, but then even then, help asking them to like, if you can think of anybody that you think would be a good a, has a good story that that, that people can learn from, um, you know, send them my way. So I'll, I'll send the you know give you the the same advice and request actually of you is that if you if you think of anybody, you know, your wife, your brothers, anybody else, anybody that you're connected to that you know that would be, I think, happy to share their story. Yeah, um, yeah, because I, I know I know some of us aren't. Some of us don't feel comfortable, and and some of us I think feel like my story isn't worth telling. But I feel I think more people, like I think their stories are that are worth telling. Well, I mean, when you when you sent me that text message, you're like, hey, you want to be on this? I'm like, ah, ha, ha, este, este vato. he's being funny. Thanks. Especially after listening to some of your other ones, like hey, Dr. Cabrera, you're like, you interviewed Dr. Cabrera, you interviewed all these people. I'm like, can you all be please? A, a low level FPD dude, just fighting the man, you know, at home in El Paso. But there's so many like you, Alex. You know. You know, growing up here in South Texas, right along the border, a lot, you know, I, I get a lot of students, I work with a lot of students that want to do criminal justice. Yeah. I get a lot of students that want to go to law school and, but don't know the first thing about how to do it or how to get there. And, and, you know, a lot of students that want to major in criminal justice as if it's a catch-all that I can do everything in criminal justice if I just major in criminal justice, right? And that's not always the case. Um, and so I thought, look, here's somebody who's practicing it. Here's somebody that's doing good work with the community and 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 is a public servant. Um, you know what's what's that story like? So so, you know, you take some time off from Stanford because you're burned out, right? And and rightfully so. So, um, you know, it's tough, right? It 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 really push it pushes you, I think. But when did you know you wanted to become a lawyer? Uh, God, that's a good question. I think it's because I was doing those two years, um, just working. I knew that I needed to find again, another opportunity that gave me different choices. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I had always done, uh, come back home and work for nonprofits <laughs> during, in college. And, uh, I was, I was thinking, okay, well, why don't I try going into the business sector? And I did, I was a, worked for the Greater El Paso Chamber of Commerce as a advocate for government relations. And we worked for what's small businesses, but of course, small business uh, for the SBA includes huge companies that you wouldn't classify as small mom and pop shops, right? Yeah. And so I was kind of disillusioned uh, working for the, doing that realizing that I was advocating for small business, but that small businesses really weren't um, the, the clientele of the Chamber of Commerce, right? And I realized I needed to leave pretty quickly. I was able to jump ship, go back to uh, working in the uh, academic setting for, uh, it's, at that time it was called the Institute for Policy and Economic Development at UTEP. 
and it was like being on campus again partying with college kids and you know enjoying the life waking up late working late but then also having a, a you know having some money to be able to party that was the best part <laughs> here look here's my here's my daughter come say hi to dr j hi dr j uh, hello <laughs> hi dad your breakfast is ready oh thank you my love okay go you gotta <laughs> Yeah, she's supposed, she's still in school right now. She doesn't. She's got like another twenty minutes of school, but you know, my uh, my my mother-in-law is here helping. We've got we've got a, a significant family issue going on right now. Um, it uh, so I mean I can share this. My wife is a uh, breast cancer survivor, and um, she was diagnosed and she's been uh, in remission for the last. Uh, three and a half years mm -hmm. and so right now she's going through one final uh, surgery and thank god everything's great but you know it, it's significant so my mother-in-law is here and we're and uh, and my wife is actually in the hospital right now oh, uh, well, and so I, I hope uh, I hope everything turns out great I, I really you know thank god we keep hearing hearing updates everything's going good but because of corona I can't be with her yeah uh, only you know it, and that's just kind of life, right? Yeah. Um, and I guess that kind of brings up another topic, you know, life is hard, man. Yeah. Life is damn hard, Yeah. you know? And so I think that's why hopefully we can encourage people to find what they love to do mm -hmm. and, you know, find that uh, development, that personal and work development to lead fulfilling lives, right? Uh -huh. um, because no matter what, life is going to throw you these curveballs. And yeah. at some point, you know, many times you're going to get struck out. You're going to get sent back to the back to the bench. <laughs> um, but you just life keeps going. Right. Yeah, so, absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I don't want to keep you from your breakfast, Alex. Thank you okay. for, for your time. Because <laughs> um, I personally, I wouldn't want to be kept from my breakfast either. But let, just last last question that I have for you is, what advice would you give, you know, young people that, you know, are thinking about law school? So law school is a very difficult time. You're going to go and you're going to work. You better be prepared to work. You better have the right mindset to get in there and put in the time because there's plenty of people that go to law school and say, well, I'm just going to try and figure it out. It's way too much money and it's extremely difficult, time consuming that it's not something that you just want to toy with. Yeah. Right. Um, so if you want to go to law school, have a plan. You know, what is the field that you really want to work in? Don't go to law school just because. Um, have a plan on what you want to do, understanding, uh, do you want to work in a law firm? Do you want to do nonprofit work? Mm -hmm. Do you want to open up your own uh, shingle and be an ambulance chaser, <laughs> right? Um, some people love that. I know plenty of guys uh, and, and, and women who are doing phenomenal because they love the hustle yeah. and, and, but they made that decision and they made it work. Right. So if you want to go to law school, have an idea of what it is you want to do. Uh, it is a three year commitment. And then taking the bar at the end of those three years is man, one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. Studying uh, all those three years and then another half 
of a summer just to take that test was taxing. Yeah. You know, uh, I think I was very fortunate that I made good decisions. I challenged myself. I realized what were my um, flaws, what I needed to concentrate in. And so once I got into law school, I took classes that challenged me. I joined a law review, a secondary journal to make sure that I could continue to write and to publish. Um, I look at it now and I'm like, oh my God, I published that? That was horrible. I wrote that, (laughs) someone didn't didn't throw that away and send it in the trash. But, you know, that was, you know, life is going to challenge you. Find something that you enjoy being challenged at. And if you're going to go to law school, understand that you need to find a career in law Uh that you're going to enjoy. Because, for instance, I know plenty of people that work at big law firms. Uh And it's nothing other than billable hours. You have to work and you have to charge. Yeah. And if you're okay doing that and living your life outside of work, yeah. finding your fulfillment outside of work, then that's fine. Go ahead and do it. You know, uh, me, I have to find fulfillment in the work I do every day. That's just the way God built me, right? And so that's why I chose to be a federal defender because I represent indigent clients that are charged with federal crimes. Most of it are uh, immigration related, people coming back, trying to find a job, trying to reconnect with their family members, but they find themselves in federal prison. And so I find my fulfillment in being a counselor to them, helping them, helping their family at this difficult time, explaining to them, bringing them at ease. Um, I also deal with uh, a lot of drug cases with a lot of young kids that think, hey, a thousand bucks is easy money. I can bring over a load of drugs. And unfortunately, you know, before it was just marijuana. But now we're seeing so much harder drugs, cocaine, heroin, crystal meth. You know, Mexico is just chugging out the crystal meth. So we have so many kids that are coming across and they're looking at so much time in federal uh, prison, mandatory minimums of five, 10 years Mm. that they need an advocate to help them to realize, yes, you've made a mistake. What can you do to lessen your time in prison? Can you get probation? Can you change your life around? Yeah. You know? Uh, one of the things I work on in uh, is a first-time drug offender program where we have clients that are, like I said, first-time offenders. All of them have some kind of substance abuse issue, whether it be marijuana or alcohol or another type of or cocaine. And so we work with them intensely for two years to try and have success so that the charges can be dropped and they can continue to live their life without that uh, felony conviction, you know? But I need that on a daily basis. I need to be working and helping people on a daily basis. And then outside of that, come home to my family and enjoy um, the fellowship with family and friends, right? Yeah, that's beautiful. 
Um, Alex, thank you. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for sharing a little bit about the work that you do. Um, I appreciate and I know so many do appreciate the work that you're doing um, because it's important work. Um, and thank you again for your time. Um, no, it's my pleasure, Jay. I'm hopefully, hopefully you, you didn't get too many people canceling right? <laughs> <laughs> your podcast. As, as soon as, as soon as this is, as soon as I post, I'll send it to you. Um, so you can give it a listen. And, uh, and as I tell all my guests, you know, share it, share it with folks, share it with you, with your, with your friends and family, it, assuming you're, <laughs> you're not embarrassed by your interview, <laughs> but no, yeah, please share it. And, um, and if you can think of anybody else you think would be good or be interested in, in sharing their story, let me know. I'm always happy Absolutely. to connect with folks and, and to and to help them share their story now. Absolutely, yeah. I think the good thing is about when I went to St. Mary's, mm-hmm. I got to know a lot more people from Texas. And so I think that'd be a very great way to open up your audience to say, look, we there, there are a lot of us. Mm-hmm. And we've done it. You can do it too, right? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Brother, I love you. Thank you, hermano, for uh, for inviting me. And I hope to see you soon, man. Yeah, absolutely. This coronavirus is done. Yeah, we need um yeah, we need to talk. We need to talk about a about a guy's trip or something. Yeah. <laughs> you take care, all right? All right, brother. All right, thank you. This concludes another episode of the fur of the Way to College podcast. Thank you all, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.